Hey, y'all. So before we get into this episode, I have to take a second to tell you this one is special. This is definitely worth your time to listen to from start to finish. I'm going to be downright honest. I've never before gotten emotional while we recorded an episode, but I did during this one. If you're an Uplands hunter or not, if you're just a hunter, period, if you're a gun dog owner or if you're just a dog owner, listen to this episode. If you find yourself right now at a point in your life where you need some motivation, listen to this episode because this conversation that you're about to listen to with our new friend Anthony Farrow of Fetching Feathers is nothing short of incredible. Enjoy the show. Thank you. We're good right here. Cool. So this episode of the podcast, I like I like covering a, a variety of topics, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we got a couple new things going on. I think like one, Ben, I don't think you've ever been on an episode of the podcast before. I have not, no. So Ben is our executive producer for for primo's truth about hunting and ben is also a very uh, you're the most you know passionate bird hunter that i i personally know and we we've never talked about upland bird hunting on this podcast no we haven't so yeah and and so yeah so and the other voice you're hearing is (laughs) is our is our new friend anthony Firo. and uh so ben so honestly man First off, thank you for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you on here. And uh, so the main reason we wanted to have you on is, you know, Ben was talking about, I heard about you from Ben. And uh, I, I honestly, so it was, when did we go? We went to Kansas last yep. November. Yep, over thing, right before Thanksgiving went there. So. Yeah, and that was that was my first, like, legitimate upland bird hunting experience. We were, you know, going after pheasants and quail, and I absolutely loved it. I'd never done anything like that. I'd, you know, I'd wanted to pheasant hunt my whole life i'd seen videos and pictures and stuff but never got to do it and you know i you know i just wanted i always wanted to have someone that can talk upland hunting that was passionate about it had a cool story and so vin said you know anthony's your guy so anthony man let's just let's just dive straight into it tell me a little bit about yourself your background and and with upland hunting and how you know who who you are yeah, sure. Uh, really appreciate you guys having me on. First off, let me let me start with a big thank you. Uh, always love the opportunity to spit the bowl about uh, you know bird dogs and, and obviously upland hunting. But um, yeah, so uh, my name is Anthony Farrow. I um, I've been upland hunting since 2009. Was actually my first introduction into true upland hunting. Um, actually, excuse me, 2004, which had been my uh, freshman year of college up at Kansas State. But um, I, I grew up in the suburbs of Kansas City, and uh, I grew up in an Italian family and, and really didn't have a whole lot of experience hunting. Um, I didn't grow up hunting. Nobody taught me how to hunt. Uh, I just always had a passion for, for the woods and the, the the road less traveled, and I just kind of found myself always seeking and finding and running into folks that live that life, and me being the individual that I am, and I'm always that person in class that wasn't afraid to ask questions. Right. Um, and that, you know, that, that ended up really benefiting, you know, my, my introduction and, and my path to where I am now, um, you know, in the uplands. But um, I got my first bird dog in college due to a couple of buddies that had some German short hairs. Um, right after college, I moved to Texas and started smashing on some bobs in Texas. And, yeah. Uh, from Texas to Colorado and, you know, to Kansas and, you know, I've lived in, in quite a few States now and, uh, it's, that's it, man. I'm just a rambling man. I can't get enough of an open road and an open field. And, uh, man, it's, it's really truly about the dogs for me. Um, and it is, I think for most, most of us upland hunters and 
and quite honestly, any any wing shooter, you know, I mean, to to send a dog on a mark on on a wounded duck or goose and watch a dog complete, you know, it's you, you, it's something that you just don't get enough of. So you obviously you grew up in Kansas there, and one would argue, why did you become a bird hunter and not a deer hunter when it is there's ample opportunity in Kansas to shoot yeah. giant deer? That's a good question. Yeah, good question. <laughs> right, right. So. Um, man really guys again i just i I didn't grow up at hunting you know i mean i i I didn't i didn't have that opportunity i didn't have a lot of people introduce me to it um so my first introduction was birds and i think that probably being my first introduction and having a few contacts i just kind of ran with that as a few years progressed obviously most of the guys i bird hunted with you know also deer hunt but um i don't know it, it, it never did it for me i think that a big appeal for me about chasing birds is that i'm not still yeah you know the devil loves an idle hand it's an old saying and uh you know growing up my mom was you know she was always you know anthony sit down anthony go do you know it was i just have never been good at sitting still <laughs> and i really love the idea of pursuit yeah and, and and finding a needle in a haystack and and not that that you're not doing that in deer hunting you know i i've got much respect for for the amount of off-season work that that the dedicated deer hunters do um from from scouting and field plots and and, and finding sheds and and you know uh, tracking your deer and, and all of those things but to this day at, at uh you know 34 i've never big game hunted in my life i've never put a deer or an antelope or an elk uh in a scope uh and some crosshairs I, it just doesn't it just doesn't really appeal to me other than the meat right yeah um you know, other other than the meat, uh, I'm just I'm, I'm not a trophy hunter. It just I don't know, man. I gotta go. I can't. I can't yeah. wait. You're a bird stop. guy. Yeah, no, I get it. I understand it. So here's here's something I want to ask. I always enjoyed asking a question somewhere along these lines when we have someone like you on here that's very passionate about what they do. That's basically shaped you know the kind of the life they have now. So you know, you talked about you know when you were introduced to bird hunting. So like either either tell me about like the first experience you can remember with bird hunting or like or like a like everyone seems to have like this time like if i can go back i can think about i don't know turkeys are kind of what do it for me and i can still think about like the first turkey i ever killed or the first turkey i ever caught in by myself you know so if you could if i ask you to like think back you know up in your upland hunting career what you know early on what was the thing you're like man i I, i've got to do more of this this I, i love this yeah no dude that's a great question um two instances um that that come to mind immediately that i don't really have to think about that shaped me as a outdoorsman and and an upland hunter um you mentioned turkeys turkeys actually other than dove turkey was was the first bird that i ever really harvested gotcha that was also my freshman year of college um and i was with um an an older cousin a cousin of mine that was uh, a fifth year uh, an older uh, fraternity brother as well and we went out turkey hunting and he ended up taking a nap and handed me a slate call and i knew nothing and i'm just banging on this slate call for (laughs) goodness knows how long um and the next thing i know i look up and you know i've got a whole gaggle of turkey uh clearly that had flown off the roost further further down in uh, the tree row in that that food plot that we were hunting but 
Um, I called in all those birds and I shot my first bird, which was a Jake. Um, I unloaded three rounds on the poor bastard. He was already on the ground <laughs> after the first one. But you want to talk about a, a, adrenaline flow, dude, I'm telling you. Uh, like jumping out of an airplane, uh, I, my, I was floored. And I'd hit him, but he was still flopping around. And I didn't understand the process. You know, I figured, you know, you shot him and he just fell to the ground dead. Right. <laughs> and my, my cousin, my cousin doubled up with me right there. He shot a, he shot a Tom and I had shot the Jake. And um, from that day forward, I knew, I knew that that was the life that I was going to live. Um, and obviously that was April. So a few months down the road, it's pheasant season. Also my freshman year of college and, uh, one of my cousins, for, um, uh, pledge brothers in his class, uh, owned a bunch of land in Gove, Kansas, uh, Western Kansas. And by a bunch of land, I mean more than, than you could ever walk in a whole season. Right. Time. And that was my first bird dog experience. And, um, I saw a Vishla and a German short hair, the gentleman owned both of them. And I watched that Vishla go on point, and I watched that short hair from 80 yards stop and back that dog. And I'm looking like, well, wait a minute. I got a dog 80 yards in front of me on point, but I got this dog right next to me on point. And obviously learning about backing and those sorts of things, honoring, and I was just like, get out of town. You're yeah. telling me that this short hair right here stopped because homeboy in front of him is on point? Yeah. My buddies were like, dude, come on start walking we got birds in front of us and <laughs> as anybody knows you know wiley public land roosters and private land roosters they run like hell and sure enough a couple of roosters got up and and um you know i'd harvested my first rooster over that point and and uh, i said i have i've got to know more i need more of this it was like it was like heroin it was like it was like heroin to a junkie uh it was it was something that i'll never forget uh, I've never done heroin for the record, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for the clarification. Yeah. You gotta be careful what you say these days. Mouth, so. They had this yeah, guy I mean, on the podcast that's, that's a heroin addict. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I mean, quite honestly, that's that's a great way I could put it, though. I mean, it, it's a drug, and, and, and I tried it once, and um, I keep coming back, you know. I keep coming back. Yeah, there's just something about that first time you walk up on a dog just slammed into point and I, I don't know it just thought does something to you it's yeah. weird yeah I, the, like I said the one I, the first rooster pheasant I killed in Kansas this year was the first rooster pheasant I had ever killed and it all just kind of happened so quick and we, we had Ben's dogs uh, Annie and Herb and it was just like kind of one of those things like they were on point and then they run in there the bird comes up boom and I'm just like whoa did that just happen and then you know the next three days were just more and more and more of that and I was like man I can I totally understand why people get ate up with this. It was, I mean, like I said, yeah. it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, I, you know, and that's awesome that you just had that experience this year. So let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. How many upland trips do you have planned this season because of that, that opportunity last year? We're going on one, like a week longer, which yeah. I can't do as many. I have to do, you know, so many obligations with uh, the primo stuff that we film. But, like, I'm I'm taking out, like, a week where we're going back to Kansas and Nebraska and doing that again because, like, I couldn't not do it again. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. It was it's, – it's, uh, it's, I, I could definitely I, – I, I understand the addiction, like, 100%. Yeah, and taking off a week during deer season to do something that's not filming, <laughs> that's really saying something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh... – 
that's time well spent. Your your priorities are starting to shape up correctly. Yeah. Like oh yeah. So here you, you'll get you'll get a kick out of this. So we actually like just a few weeks ago it was one of our latter turkey trips. Um, we turkey hunted actually on one of the same uh, some of the same ground that we pheasant hunted on, and it's got some of the same ground that we're going back to this week. And uh, this like year. yeah, or this year. Sorry, this year later on in uh, November. But um, like before the end of the week, Brad and Troy that were with me. Brad goes, Lake, I don't want to hear about the pheasants that you're hearing. If you hear a turkey, let me know. Because I was just going to, I was like, look at that pheasant. You hear that pheasant? All I was talking about was pheasants. And they were like, just talk, we're turkey hunting. Don't worry about the pheasants right now. But that's where my mind was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I got to experience something really cool for the first time this last season, um, duck hunting and hearing roosters cackle uh, behind us while we're duck hunting. And we ended up catching a lull, obviously, from the morning flight, uh, waiting for him to come back to fiddle around, and ended up kicking out of the blind and pulling a couple of roosters out in the afternoon. Oh, <laughs> heck yeah. lull while the ducks were flying, man. That was pretty gnarly. Heck yeah. Now, that's a good day. I don't know how you can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it doesn't that get doesn't much suck. better than that. <laughs> no, no, that doesn't suck at all. Yeah. No, absolutely not. So, Anthony, how after, you know, you got your start in uh, in bird hunting, you got all just gassed about it, what, you know, what kind of, how did you progress into fetching feathers then, your company? What led you to kind of doing that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I bought, so my freshman year, I, I you know, I started hunting, hunted all the way through college. I did a victory lap. I call it, you know, my fifth year. I nice. Victory lap. <laughs> um, I took a victory lap. Um, and that's when I bought my first German short hair, gnarly. Uh, and so gnarly, you know, I spent my fifth year just finishing out my, my degree and, and training the heck out of that dog. Um, and truly fetching feathers, the idea didn't happen until after I moved to Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, which was three years after graduation. I moved to Austin, Texas right after graduation. Well, after doing all this hunting and hunting in the heat of Texas and, and starting to really, you know, travel and, and spread my wings if you will i just started to learn that there wasn't a whole lot of clothing whether that just be casual screen print t-shirt you mow the lawn in or um high quality fabrics and shooting shirts and right. and, and different options with blaze orange and tan type stuff mm-hmm so I took the broke man's approach of getting into the clothing, and that's, you know, the screen printing, the embroidery, the hats, the things of that nature. But that's really where it stemmed from is um, I, I'm a, I don't know, uh, I'm a firm believer of look good, play good. Uh, all of my, my favorite athletes growing up were always the loudest ones, you know. I mean, no joke, I had over 20 Muhammad Ali uh, posters in my room throughout my early teens. <laughs> um you know, I found inspiration in people who talk the best game, look the best, and also perform. Right. Uh, Deion Sanders has been my idol since I was, like, I don't know, since I started playing tackle football. Right. Um, I just really like the idea of look good, play good. It's just one of those things. And, and I just said to myself, man, there's there's a huge niche right now. So then my mind started to turn. And, you know, so then I ask people this question when, when I have this conversation, but if you go to uh, your local, uh, you know, sporting goods store, Bass Pro, Gander, Cabela's, and you just go to buy a T-shirt, the only dog you're going to find on a T-shirt is a black lab in any of these. Right. And and I and I and I and I've hunted over a lot of black labs, and and they hold their their place and their shrine very high amongst everybody who respects gun dogs. But 
my mind started to think as, as a businessman, think about how many breeds of upland dogs there are compared to re- retrievers for, for the waterfowl. Right. And I was like, man, if there's 8, 10, 12 upland species, think about how many owners there are of all those species, which means more money, more business. You've got a broader demographic. Then I started to think about when was the last time you saw a guy shooting a $50,000 Parker in the duck line? No. Mm-hmm. But think about how many times you find these guys with fifty, sixty, hundred thousand dollars side by sides for the upland. Again, look where the money is. Right. There is so much money sitting in this upland market, and it is, in my opinion, the most underwhelmed and underpaid um, attention to when it comes to the hunting industry. Mm-hmm. So let's stick with the idea of our sporting goods stores. How many aisles do you get for turkey during turkey season? How many aisles do you get for the waterfowl? How many carousels for the waterfowl or for the deer hunter? Mossy Oak, Realtree, Sitka, QU, right? Right. Think about the upland section in all of these places. You usually have to go you searching get for it. Weird yeah. jeans, those weird <laughs> jeans with the briar pant up front. Yeah. You get the real heavy SpongeBob Square Pants cut <laughs> upland shirt. And you look like a doofus. And so I just kept going and going and going and can't find anything anywhere. And I was like, you know what? I think that I'm going to come out with just a nice casual upland line, see how it goes. Um, and, and obviously, um, you know, I wasn't the only one that felt that way. And there is a massive movement in the uplands in the last two or three years, uh, not only from a podcast standpoint, from a clothing standpoint, from a trainer um, standpoint. There's just a huge push. And um, so that's, that's really where Fetching Feathers came from, uh, the clothing and then obviously fetching feathers has morphed into about nine other things. I don't yeah. really know how to classify my business, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, if it's got feathers, I hunt it, but it's an upland-driven business. I want to take a quick break to tell you about the Easy Lifting Kennel built for hard-hunting dogs. At just 37 pounds, the Kennel Up is the only kennel that's fully loaded with premium safety and comfort features, yet light enough for one man to lift and load with ease. Stop by primos.com to check it out for yourself. Yeah. So on top of that, you're also a part or a co-owner, I don't know how it works, of Rocky Mountain Bird Dogs. So you also do a ton of bird dog training, right? Yeah, right, yeah, which is a new venture of mine. Um, that just happened. A mentor and, and, and really good friend of mine was uh, came across an opportunity. Um, a good friend of his had passed and mm-hmm. owned this kennel, and the uh, widow of the property needed some help. So Kim had come in and, and, and helped out and, and kept her running. Um, and then I had... Um, an unfortunate mishap when I moved to Idaho with the recent house fire, uh, which led me to um, owning, um, you know, part of, of Rocky Mountain Bird Dogs and, and training training dogs for a living. So um, mm-hmm. it's been it's been quite the quite the ride since not growing up hunting to getting started late in college to you know my my early to mid thirties. Right. Uh, what a blessing to be a part of, man. I, I love God's story for me so far. Yeah. It's been tough and it's been scary, but, man, if he's going to bring me to the uplands and all these hunting places, I'm along for the ride. Yeah. Dude, look, man, it, like, I want to go back and, you know, because I definitely, I, I, it was, that you know, the, the story about fetching feathers, I love that. Cause obviously, it, everything you've told me so far, just it's there's no doubt you're you're just a guy that has drive, you know. Um but there, there's something that you touched on in there that I, that I want to get to. Uh, like I said, the first time I heard about you uh, I was from Ben, uh, and it was about uh, the the house fire incident that you just that you just briefly mentioned. 
uh, I would like to, if, if you're if you're open to do it, I'd, I'd like you to kind of tell that story uh, of how that all happened because I mean, you know, it's a pretty I don't know I, I don't I don't know if inspiring is the right the right word how you came out of it, but uh, and I don't want to tell it myself. I, I'd, yeah. I'd rather you tell it, but uh, if if you're willing to do so, that's a story I think that would be good to have on here. Sure, sure, yeah, you know. Um... Today actually is the uh, mark six months to the day of the fire. Okay. Um, the fire was uh, December 4th. Um, so uh, long and short, I guess, uh, how did I get to Idaho? So I sold heavy construction equipment out of college uh, for nine years for United Rentals and Sun Belt Rentals. I, I made great money. I had a lot of freedom in a company truck, but I hated my life. Right. Um, I was so upset, man, every day, you know, I hated my job. I came home grumpy and I had, you know, I had life by the balls. I, I had great bird dogs and a good girlfriend and this and that. And, um, so I finally decided to, to take the leap and chase my passion, you know, Fetch and Feathers, um, the, the, had, had been going for two years at this point And I said, screw it. I'm, I'm going to do this. So I quit yeah. my career, uh, in May and I moved out to a family friend's ranch of mine uh, and in Western Kansas in Goodland, Kansas. And I went to work for myself as an independent contractor selling roofs and gutters from hail damage. Mm -hmm. So I busted my rear all last summer. So I had enough money that I could hunt for four months straight, which was, I was moving to Idaho. Right. So I was like, man, I'm going to move to Idaho. Cause I had just done my project up on film reveling the first in Idaho and hell Canyon. And that's what was my first introduction to the Northwest. And I said, I'm going to move here. Well, a year later, I moved there. So I had lived there um, just outside of Boise uh, for a little over a month. I just moved into this, this house uh, out, out in the country. It was the best house I've ever lived in. It was the most affordable place. It was a damn steal. Uh, I, had, I had valley quail, four or five cubbies in my front and backyard that lived there. I had cougars wow. and elk in my front yard. I saw mountain lion in my front yard more than one occasion. Uh, dude, 500 yards from my back door was BLM land that, that I literally harvested valley quail and huns 500 yards from my back door. Yeah. You were in uh, heaven, it sounds where, like. Yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, it don't get no better. Yeah. This is everything that I had worked for my entire life. Right. It was justification of quitting my career, taking the leap, figuring out insurance, figuring out how to get a new truck, yada, yada. So um, I lived there about a month and a half, and I was living with my buddy Bryce, him and I, and his two bird dogs. And um, we had hunted, uh, oh, probably six days straight. And our dogs were pretty beat up after this last hunt that mm -hmm. we had had the day before. And Bryce and I, you know, we were like, hey, let's give the dogs a couple-day break. So it was really the perfect storm, and this is how the fire starts. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, we decided not to hunt that day. And so we went into town, uh, 30, 40 minute drive. We hit the gym, um, and we were, we were, um, headed to lunch and our neighbor so happened to be the guy who owned the house that we were renting it from. Um, and he lived, you know, I don't know, a quarter mile down the road, neighbor, country neighbor. Um, anyways, we're, we're, uh, we're headed, headed to lunch and Bryce gets a phone call and, and the guy's freaking out and he says that the house is on fire and there's, there's flames and smoke coming out of the windows. Mm. Um, you know, so you can only imagine how helpless you feel right. 40 minutes away from home. Yeah, I can't uh, imagine. Yeah. You know, both of our hearts sunk. Um, 
we weren't quite to tears at this point because it was a lot of shock and we just weren't sure. And right. he was there and we were hoping that he was going to be able to get the dog. So I'm, I'm hauling 120 down the highway. And here's the unfortunate part is, you know, east of Boise is flat and you can see the black smoke for 40 minutes. Oh, down oh my gosh, dude. So I can see my house burning for 40 minute drive. Mm. It gives you the shivers. And yeah, it does. That, yeah, that makes dude, me cringe. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, give me a second. So, um, we pull up. Unfortunate part of where we lived, uh, no, no fire there. The fire department wasn't allowed to, to, to work there. I, however, they, I, I don't know the, the exact term. There's a term for it. Anyways, they don't work there. They don't come out where we live. Right. Um, so the, the, the police were there. Um, when I pulled up at the bottom of the driveway, um, our driveway, you couldn't see the house from the bottom. It was kind of a long driveway. And mm-hmm. They stopped us at the bottom of the driveway and they, officer was carrying gnarly, um, uh, carrying gnarly down the driveway. Right. And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't moving and, you know, it really all set in at that point. And so I, I go haul that ass up the driveway um to go get radar right and um at this point all our ammunition is blowing up yeah and, and you know i mean it sounds like fourth of july i had you know well over two thousand rounds the rifle rounds two two threes you know i mean yeah all my guns the whole nine so that you know they they stopped us in the driveway and they won't let me get to the house and um you know um let me backtrack half a second. Gnarly and Radar fought to the death multiple times while owning them. Gnarly was 10 years old. Radar was five. So I bought Gnarly when he was, you know, or I bought Radar when Gnarly was five. Yeah. Nonetheless, them boys didn't get along, and so I, I had to keep them separate. And since they were both older, I didn't always kennel them both in their, in their dog kennel when I was gone. And the kennels were up in my bedroom, up in the bedroom with my door shut. Yeah. So I had kindled radar, and I just had gnarly loose in the bedroom with the door shut. Yeah. He, uh, he, earned, a, he earned a stripes. So he's just hanging out on the bed. Nonetheless, the fire had started in the living room, and in order for gnarly to get downstairs to where they found him, he somehow opened the master bedroom door. He went down the steps. He had to make a right to go through the living room which means his whole left side got burned. Mm. Then he had to another, make another right through the kitchen to get to the garage door where they found him. They, the police opened the door and opened the garage door inside, like you're walking inside, yeah, and he was yeah. passed out at the base of the door trying to get out. Gracious. Um, so that's why they were able to pick him up and pull him out. Um, so they pull him out. They won't let me up, so I obviously get on my knees, and they set him down, and we put him on oxygen, and they're trying to revive him. And, um, the whole left side of his body was burnt to a crisp that he melted a hole in the snow mm. from the time of him laying there trying to revive him because his body was so hot. So, nonetheless, I watched that house burn to the ground with radar in the kennel, knowing that he never had a chance. Yeah. And uh, I rushed gnarly to the vet, and he stayed in the ER for two days, and he fought and fought and fought to, to try to live. And I had to make the call on morning two because his breathing wasn't getting better. Yeah. His, uh, his lungs were damaged too much. and So I had to pull the plug and 
put him down myself. Yeah. So, um, I left two days after that and took a stint and spent some time in Texas and had a lot of conversations with the Lord. And, um, this is kind of where the idea of my mantra for fetching feathers is keep kicking dirt. And, yeah. and that's the only thing I know how to do is wake up every day and put your boots on young man and kick life in the face. Because if you don't, you will be a victim and life does not care. You know, yeah. life doesn't care if you're a victim and you will get swallowed and everything you work for will be gone, you know, in vain. And that's the way I looked at it is I took it so personal yeah. that I would not let my boy's death be in vain, that I would quit, that I would roll over, that, 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 that I would quit, number one, fetching feathers, and number two, chasing birds. Yeah. And um, I ended up buying two litter mates, which are real brothers, um, and I named them after how Gnarly and Radar died. So my two new bird dog names are Smoke which he's a liver dog, which is smoke inhalation is how Gnarly died. Right. And I named the other one, which is white and liver. I named him Fuego, which is how Radar died. So, right. um, dude, I, I, I'm looking at dead in the face and I take it personal. You know, I mean, it's a fight every day I wake up and I close my fist and I say, all right, you want to go another round? Yeah. And, uh, man, that's my story. That's why, I, that's why I stand where I am right now in Colorado training dogs. Yeah. I found a kennel to work for. I dove in, and I'm giving these dogs everything that I've got, you know, for gnarly and radar's sake. Man, um, golly, dude. Uh, I know coming, I mean, like coming from like a dog owner myself, like I have a duck, like that story makes my heart hurt, man. But it, golly. It's just, it's, I mean, everyone who has a dog can relate to that. Yeah. The cool thing is how you came out of that. Yeah. Like, that's that's special that takes some fight yeah so that's because i had met you or talked on the phone with you heck it was maybe only a couple weeks before that i think and then yep. i heard that and it was just like it happened to me yeah yeah it's it's like a god i don't even mm, uh, yeah i i just i remember when you know ben told me and i had been told me that you named the dogs the the new you know the new one smoking fuego i, I even said that. i said man it's so I love how he's his approach to this is like he's as I said he's just taking it head on and I mean like props to you man for for handling it that way because golly you I mean that's that you've been dealt some adversity brother that's that but you're you're handling it the way you're handling it I mean just I commend you for it I mean that's yeah, yeah. thank you thank you boys appreciate it. I appreciate it. you know um, here's what I learned through all this a lot number one I'm not the only one that this has happened to mm-hmm. since. Before me and after me, I know of a handful of folks that it's happened to, um, you know, and, um, dude, it sucks, and it, it, but it has to happen to someone. You see these things on the news all the time, you know, um, and this is just the cards that I was dealt, and, 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 and it's cliche, but it's not how you start, it's how you finish, it's not how hard you get knocked down, it's, it's how you get back up, and, um, I don't know, man. Like you just kind of gotta, you just gotta, you just gotta grab, you just gotta grab it, you know, and shake it. <laughs> yeah. And and, yeah. and like I said, man, you just gotta, you just gotta keep kicking dirt, you know. And the other thing I learned through it, boys, is what's important to me. You know, quite honestly, it was the worst and best thing that has ever happened to me. Yeah. Um, the the how I prioritize my energy now, the things that I worry about, the things that I stress about, the things that I used to lose sleep about. Um, holding grudges. Um, I tell you, you know, I've gone on a, a personal growth experience since this and made a bunch of phone calls to old friends 
to old girlfriends, to family members, and apologize for, for something that I knew I did wrong or that, that I was carrying or, or a grudge that I needed to just let go of. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm telling you, it has opened my eyes to what's important, and um, I, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the support that I've had from this. And, and, and you know, Ben, obviously, you being a part of that and getting me, you know, to kennel and, and, and helping me out and some, you know, some, some gun manufacturers in the industry sent me a weapon, you know, so I could have a shotgun again. And, uh, which leads me to creating the G and R foundation. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would love to speak on that. real quick. Absolutely. For yeah, sure. man. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm starting a foundation, uh, I, the website and I've got the domain and, um, you know, I still got some website stuff to finish and I've been kind of dragging my feet on it. I've been talking about this since the fire, but, um, it, it will come into fruition. GNR, gnarly and radar. Um, this foundation is going to do uh, for a lot of people what a lot of people did for me. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was it was most of important to get back in the field and to get a dog. So I bought smoke a month after the fire, mm-hmm. and people thought I was crazy, and and and, and I and I am crazy to verify. You're right. <laughs> I am. You're, you're right. Um, I didn't wait. I knew, I know what makes me happy. I know what makes my heart tick. I know what I live for. And yeah. Bird dogs in the uplands. And so what my goal with the GNR foundation and it is going to directly go to people who have lost, lost dog, hunting dogs in a fire. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to do is, um, I've, I've been having people send me old hunting clothes, old hunting gear, boots, socks, uh, lawn johns, overalls, upland shooting shirts, briar pants, things that, that you don't think about because you've had forever and then a fire happens and you got nothing, right? Right, yeah. So what the GNR Foundation is going to do is I'm going to get you back in the field. So what what was it? Are you a waterfowl hunter? Are you an upland hunter? Are you a turkey hunter? What was it that you enjoyed doing most with your dog and in the field? Because you guys know as well as I do, that's, that's, our, that's our sanctuary. That's yeah. our happy mm-hmm. place. Yeah. That's where it all goes away. That's when the bills, the marital issues, the whatever, the, the, the job, that's where it all goes away. That's why we do the crazy things we do and bust through ice and get up in the morning to hunt ducks in negative degrees and, and hunt roosters in crazy wind is, is because that's where we feel real and alive. Right. And I want to help people do that after tragedy. And so I'm going to get you outfitted. Boots, clothes, the whole night. I'm going to send you a bunch of clothes. And then I'm going to give you – up to six months to replace your dog. And, and so I'm going to give the breeder of your choice $500 towards you getting a new dog. I'm going to get you a clothes, and I got 500 bucks to get you back in the field with a new pup. And that's the GNR Foundation in a nutshell. Golly, man. Yeah. Gracious, man. God. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you sleep ever? Yeah. When do you, when do you, where do you have all this time on your hands? That's Golly, awesome. what a story. The GNR Foundation. I, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, GNR, man, for the boys. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't um, – I, I have all this time because um, I don't have a girlfriend, I've never been married, <laughs> and I don't have kids, boys. That's how I have all this time. <laughs> it's 100% from 4 a.m. to 8 p.m. bird dogs, man. Yeah. That's my life, you yeah. know. Um, a jack-of-all-trades is a master at none. Why don't you, bird, why don't you deer hunt, Anthony? Because I want to be a master at bird hunting. Yeah. I want to own my craft. Uh, I, I, I harvest birds left-handed and right-handed. I go to states and kick dirt on public ground that I've never been. Not That's not me being braggadocious. That's me owning my craft. Yeah. That, that's me trying to be the best bird hunter out there. 
Yeah. I want to put in work. I want I want to challenge myself. I want to be put in uncomfortable situations because as you guys you guys know as men, man, we're we're developed in the hard points of our life, not the easy. Right. We learn when we smack our face on the ground. Mm. When we drag our face through freezing weather trying to get a, a, a mallard to cup up, for goodness sake, after three days. You know, trying to find the X. Like this, that's why we do the crazy things we do. And, yeah. and, and that's why I hunt, because it makes me feel alive. It, it, makes, it, it challenges me. You know, I mean, we don't get organized sports anymore. And, and that, that locker room camaraderie and that challenge of lining up with a guy in front of you. To me, I line up against Mother Nature and Father Time. Yeah. You know, like that's that's my arena. This is where I strap up and play my ball now. And man, I just want to be the best out there, and I want to help as many people along the way as I can. Yeah, you're you're an inspiring guy, my friend. That's, that's yeah, how, man, I appreciate that. Yeah, golly, um, and it was just it was so cool, and you saw it firsthand. But just how the Upland community just came together. Yeah, so unbelievable. It man. was absolutely unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's um. I think the biggest thing, my my personal, I guess, biggest takeaway from this is just like, and I, and I mentioned it before, is just one, how, how you responded to that and then how much good you've been able to make to come out of it. Everything from, from the, you know, from the, the dogs you have now to, you know, to fetching feathers to this, this the GNR Foundation. I mean, that's incredible, man. I mean, just absolutely incredible. <sighs> I appreciate you, you know, and I appreciate you guys giving me the flat, you know, the platform to to share that story. And and, and I apologize for for getting a bit emotional. Obviously, I know you can relate to it. But, Dude, look, uh, you can't. You obviously we can't see you, and you can't see us. But I was getting emotional mm. listening to you talk about it. So we're we're good. <laughs> we're good. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. Yeah. So give us a little bit uh, of a rundown on the two new ones, Smoke and Flago. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear about okay. the let's hear about the yeah. new pups. The boys, man. I'm telling you. So they're um, they're 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 true brothers and litter mates. Uh, they turned uh, ten months old on the first okay. of this month. So um, they're they're really coming into uh, a great time in their training. They're very biddable right now. Their minds are are very moldable. They're they're really letting me push them in their training. Um, so I bought smoke first not ever intending on buying uh, his litter mate. Um, I wanted an all liver dog because Nar was my first all liver dog. So I found, I found smoke out of, uh, Oregon snowy range kennels. And, um, I got him and, and really started to go. And I had another male dog picked out that was actually a half brother to radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, man, this is epic. Awesome. Well, that didn't end up working out, which was, was God's plan for a reason. Cause, the day that I found out that I wasn't getting that other dog, um, the guy, the breeder from Snowy Range posted, hey, got one male out of my current litter left. Yeah. I called him and I said, this is Smoke's litter. And he said, yeah. And I said, oh, come on. Real brothers? <laughs> this, this doesn't get any better. Like, yeah. I called I called Gnarly and Radar, the Bash brothers. And yeah. They were five years <laughs> apart and didn't have any blood, blood relation. <laughs> so, you know, now I've got true brothers. Right. Um, so I bought Fuego two months after I bought Smoke. That being said, Fuego has been about two months behind Smoke in the trailing pretty much the whole time until recently. Um, how do I describe these boys? They both have huge noses, monster, monster noses. Very, very, you know, they're, 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 their standard pickup of the scent cone is probably 30 or 40 yards. I'm getting Ooh. points out of them regularly. Yeah. Awesome. Um, on the occasion, I just posted a video recently of 
of, you know, you're pushing around 50 yards on a point for Fuego. High wind, obviously. I mean, the conditions were perfect, and the bird was planted, but um, monster, monster noses. Man, out um, of a 10-month-old dog, that is awesome. Yeah. Oh, dude, these kids are, um, they're well past their, um, their ability is, is well beyond their age, is a good way to say it. Um, they are both very, very steady on point. I, I can't take a whole lot of credit for, for a, all of this from a training standpoint. They just had it. Really good bloodlines on their uh, pa- uh, grandparents and great-grandparents on their back end. Um, some, some high quality dogs in them. Uh, smoke retrieve is, is tenfold better than Fuego's right now. Um, on birds and on bumpers and everything. Yep. But I mean, I've got them, I've got them dialed in real nice right now. Um, I, I just in a video to, a, a, a lodge that I'm trying to guide at, um, this winter. And he said, well, I'm a pretty young dog to consider letting you guide over him. And I said, yeah, check out this video. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, said, he said, those, he said, he said, those dogs are 10 months old. And I said, yeah. And he said, holy shit. And I said, I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> just seeing that guy talking highly of my yeah. kids. Like they, you know, the juice is worth the squeeze. And yeah. They really, um, they're really, really, really well put together. But Let's go ahead and cut them down a little bit because I can't talk them up too much. They're listening to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Their socialization is the absolute worst that I, I maybe have ever seen and definitely the worst that I've ever owned. Yeah. Um, I think part of that is where they were living in Oregon. They're on a, on a ranch and didn't have a lot of contact with people. Right. And now where I live, um, I don't really go into town a whole lot, so the only contact I get is myself and you know the few clients that come out for pickups and drop offs and one on one. Right. So um, they bark at everybody. They don't let people pet them. They're super peculiar of every noise. Um, I couldn't get them to walk in my buddy's garage uh, a couple weeks ago when I was in Kansas chasing turkeys. They wouldn't yeah. go in his garage. It was like a, a, a death, a, a death layer. They're just not going to cross <laughs> that barrier. Yeah. Dude, there was no way I'm stepping into this nice garage when you guys drink bush lattes. And I'm like, hey, bush for me. <laughs> Stand outside. This beer's nice and cool in here. Yeah. So, um, that's what I'm working on. So I go into town, you know, whether it be to get groceries or, or, or I hit the gym. Um, I started taking them with me, and I walk them in the neighborhood while I'm in town. Yep. So they're getting some interaction with kids on bikes and people and cars. And um, I've always talked jazz on folks to bring their dogs into Home Depot and such, which I'll not bring them into Home Depot, but I got a tractor supply here. And so I'll bring them in a tractor supply and just cruise a couple aisles before I grab whatever it is I need. And just really working on trying to, to, to curve their socialization. Yeah. But, um, man, they're, they're solid dogs. They are best friends, man. I, I, every video I post is these two dummies sleeping on top of each other. <laughs> um, they are connected at the hip. They have anywhere they want to sleep, and they sleep in the same kennel. They choose to sleep in the same small kennel together. <laughs> um, and, man, i tell you what, after after having two dogs that, that cost me tens of thousands of dollars fighting each other, Gnarly and Radar, yeah. uh, man, it is so nice to exhale and not have to uh, – check around the corner every 10 minutes to make sure somebody's not getting ready to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. to drop a left hook. I'm smitten. I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased with these two new dogs. and um, Man, it, it, it helped my heart more than anything. You know, yeah. I, I, it, didn't, it didn't allow me to be depressed. 
um, taking the job with the kennel didn't allow me to sulk and lay in bed all day and, and watch soap operas. Uh, <laughs> it, I got dogs that depend on me. They got to eat. They got to be fed. I've got clients that are, that are paying me to, to take care of their dogs. And so it, it allowed me to be accountable for myself and for those dogs. And, um, and I'm just, I'm fortunate the way it all worked out. Yeah. Yeah. When you wake up in the morning and you see those two faces staring back at you, it's like, all right, it's go time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Time, yeah. to get, time to get up. Not only that, but, you know, I mean, I've got, I live about a hundred yards from the kennel where I've got, you know, 20 dogs and yeah. uh, they let me know. I, I, my dogs are like roosters. I'm yeah. telling you when the sun rises, there's a couple of them that just start howling and I'm like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> time to get up. <laughs> all right. Let me yeah. go scoop some crap and, and get to work. So yeah, man, smoking fuego are awesome. Um, I'm calling this hunting season. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going to have a videographer follow me uh, on a few stakes. Cool. And I'm going to do a little short film. Um, basically, I'm calling it the Redemption Tour. Yeah. Nice. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go smash birds at all my favorite Onyx spots that I did with Gnarly and Radar throughout the U.S. Awesome. Um, and I am going on, on, on December 3rd where we shot uh, uh, a two-man limit of valley quail the day before the fire. Um, I'm headed back to that exact spot on December 3rd with Smoke and Fuego to chase those valley quail. And Dude, heck yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm looking at dead in the face. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to flip that... Uh, I'm gonna flip. I'm gonna flip the bird, if you will, to that field after I walk out of it and yeah. close that chapter and 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 move forward with the new guys. Yeah. yeah. So other, where else are you headed to this fall? Then you got a bunch of uh, trip yeah. plans. Let. Do you guys have a bottle of Glenlivet? Do we have enough time to talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> you just you just you just spill it out, man. We, we, yeah. we want to hear it. So I um. I have this obsession with first time experiences, which was the name of my film revel in the first. And, and, and I just try to chase as many first time experiences that I have. And, um, I've harvested 13 uh, upland species over gnarly and radar in the 10 years that I had gnarly and the five that I had radar. And there's two on my list that, um, are really, really been calling me. And, um, if you want to be the best, you better kill the best. And so I'm chasing the King. Um, nice. I am, I'm going to head, to, I'm, I'm going to try to get on some rough grouse, man. Or not, you know, um, I, I just, I've never done it. I've never shot any, um, any timber doodles either. So, mm. um, I'm going to start my season, um, up, up the, uh, the Northeast area, meet up with some buddies and, and, and hunt the Northwoods. Um, you know, what I've learned in the last few years about the Northwoods and the Northwoods community is it's, it's, it's even more tight knit than, than the upland community itself. It's kind of a, it's kind of its own group. Mm-hmm. And, yep. Um, I, I really want to earn the respect of that group. And, and, and quite honestly, I just want to dive into that culture. Um, from, a, from the idea of, of having to wear, uh, rubber boots, upland hunting. Yep. Yeah. I've never had to do that. And, and Stormy Cromers and all of the, the stereotypes, uh, the pipe tobacco. <laughs> I want to go experience that culture. Yeah. I want to dive into it. Um, I want to earn the respect of those guys, and and I want to I want to add two more you know birds birds to to my list of species, um, you know that I've been able to harvest. So um, I'm going to start there. Um, I got a good buddy in Pennsylvania. Um, that I'm going to, I'm going to go hunt with him and, and, and do some stuff in New York. And, 
uh, who knows, you know, what social media has a way of, of bringing you different directions when you yeah. let people know you're on the road. So I'm going to, I'm going to meet up, but that's where I'm going to start. Um, I'm doing a short film this year with, um, with a company for the, um, the quail slam in Arizona. We're going to, yeah. we're going to go try to record the quail slam on film. Uh, I never hunted Arizona and shot merms and, and gambled. So, um, it's my redemption year. You know, that's like I said, it's my redemption tour. And, and in order to get some redemption, I think you need to challenge yourself. Like I talked about earlier and, and, and put some new species. So hopefully I can, I can, I can knock out gambles. I can, uh, I can knock out merms. I can, I can shoot the king and, um, and I can shoot a couple of timber doodles. Um, Kansas is born and raised. So you're going to get my Kansas trips naturally. I'll, I'll crush, uh, some quail in Nebraska, I think actually we might start our season in September um, in Wyoming, getting out there some sharpies. Yep. Uh, some pra- some prairie chickens will be in the mix of all of that. Um, Idaho, obviously, I'm I'm going to go back to Idaho for for the boys. Um, I don't know. I, I I try to hit you know five to five to six states a season. Yeah. Um, and, and since the fire, I didn't I didn't buy a house and I didn't rent a house. I bought a forty foot travel trailer as a home. <laughs> so I am like 100% bird bum. Like, it doesn't get much more bummy than me, man. I'm, um, I'm living out of a travel trailer. I'm, I'm, I'm training dogs, and I'm just gonna hit the road with smoke and fuego and eat up some highway miles and um, start a new chapter and, and have some new stories to tell. Dude, I love it, man. I really do. I absolutely love it. Just anybody, you see someone with that kind of passion and drive for for anything, you just you can't help but gravitate towards it. And we were talking about that in in uh, for turkey hunting for Dave, Dave Owens, Dave Owens, yeah, same kind of deal. Just absolutely yeah. eaten up with it. Yeah, just, and it's you just can't. It, the, those personalities are just so infectious. Yeah, it's, it's, that's how you can't you can't help but respect it. I mean, you really can't. It's a uh, um. So, so tell me this, man. Like the you know like the following along with you for social media the short films are going to be put out where can where can we find that at when it come when all that starts to come out like where can we follow you on Instagram and the short films where will those be? Yeah, sure. Um, most of everything you know you'll you'll be able to find on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't we don't have any branding or any name of this Quail Slam or anything kind of set up for it right now. Um, all the, you know, the, the Project Upland film, Revel in the First, is on YouTube and on their site. Um, I was fortunate enough to be a part of a short film with Flambo called mm-hmm. Gunning for Green. Um, we smashed a bunch of mallards uh, all over the state of Idaho, so that's there. But um, my, my Instagram is uh, fetching underscore feathers, mm-hmm. um, and then my website is fetching-feathers.com. That's where all my hats and my apparel and all that type of stuff is. Uh, and I actually uh, deleted Facebook, uh, I don't know, about a month and a half or two months ago. So um, Instagram and my website are the only only really ways to, to get a hold of me. Gotcha. Um, but I'm, I'm active as hell, you know, on all yeah. of those. Where, uh, I post all my, you know, all my stories of all of my dog training every day. So there, there's always new content and stuff. To, right. To well, yeah. our followers at the Primo's Instagram, they should have seen you, at least some, because I know when you you posted some Instagram stories and stuff with the with the new kennels. Um, and so that when we usually share those on there, so I know they've, they've seen you a little bit, but um, just wanted to make yeah. sure we get yeah. on here somewhere. So, yeah. you know, I, I imagine there's going to be a good many people when they hear this story going to be like, man, I want to follow that guy. So. Yeah. They'll know where to find you. And I, and I, pre- I appreciate the follow. And, and, and while we're, we're talking, you just mentioned uh, the stories about the kennel. Um, I have got to tell you guys, and Ben obviously knows about this because I called him the moment it happened. <laughs> uh, 
um, so I got a, a two-hole Owens box in my truck that I just keep in there. Right. And I literally had just got the the, the Primo's kennel from you guys that, that Ben had sent over. And so I, I put it long ways just in front of the Owens box kennel doors, right? Right. And, it, you know, it's 35-pound kennel, and I threw some nut boots in there, I don't know, a couple tools. I'm like, man, this thing is not going to fly out. It's down in my truck bed, blah, blah, blah. I'm cruising down I-70, going 80 mile an hour, listening to some sort of obnoxious country as loud as I could. <laughs> and I hear this weird, I hear this weird noise, and I'm like, man, what was that? <laughs> so I look in my, I look in my driver's side mirror, and there goes the Primos kennel, 80 mile an hour down I-70, <laughs> just it down the highway. Uh, no dogs in it though, and right? I'm like, oh <laughs> my gosh, oh no, my muck boots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <my. laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So obviously, I, I pull off the highway and uh, I back up. Um, you guys just kind of rocks. 80 mile an hour down the highway. Not a single brake. Not, not nothing. Zero. Yeah, no well, that's, yeah. Whatsoever. You just put it through a tough test, man. We owe you one. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I, you know. I, <laughs> When I called Ben and told him about it, I was like, man, I know you told me to run it through the ringer, but I, I didn't figure you, 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 you had 80 mile an hour down the highway as a <laughs> crash-proof test, but, man, that thing is awesome. And, um, and you I got that, it. yeah, you got that kennel, I think, either that day or it was the day after that happened. <laughs> I was just like, oh, it was, Yeah, oh, it was brand new. Yeah. I, yeah. I hadn't even put a dog in. I hadn't even put a dog in it yet. Yeah. He just went ahead and threw it the gauntlet, <laughs> like, well, let's see if it'll hold up. <laughs> So hey, uh, Primo's uh, Primo's kennel kennel up. Fetty Fed is approved. Put my stamp on it. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. Yeah. So I was gonna, one thing before we take off here yep. is you were talking about Revel in the first. So there's two things to do. Go watch that film because it's fantastic. And mm-hmm. second, go to fetchingfeathers.com and read Faith in a Gun Dog. Yeah, yeah. Ben actually had me read that right before we got on. Uh, yeah. So for sure, I, t- I tell you what we can do. Um, too, when we post this podcast, I'll get links to those videos and do, you know, the Instagram story things we can swipe up and it'll take you to it. So we can do those. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, we can do that. And, uh, yeah, man, it, and I don't have anything else to add. That was a, that was an incredible episode. A heck of a story. You guys rock. I, I'm so thankful for the opportunity. Um, and, and to be, to be on as, as the, the first up in conversation on, uh, on you guys' podcast, I'm taking that one to the bank all day long. Can't <laughs> yeah. take that one from me, man. Well, dude, dude, take, <laughs> we'll take this, too, because, like, like I said, this is the first one we've done. I don't want it to be the last one. So, like, in the future, when I want to talk about Upland stuff again, I'm going to, like, shoot you a text or something. Be like, Anthony, I want to talk about this, you know? You, you down with that kind yep. of thing? You already know I'm down. Ben and I <laughs> talked about linking up um, and pushing a couple fields together this year, so awesome. maybe we can do some sort of, of, of collab again with all three of us after after getting hunting with each other, and we'll have some good stories to tell. Awesome. I'm yeah. all about it. I'm all about it. Ben, you got anything? Now we're good to go. Cool. Well, man, Anthony, we're going to jump off here. Uh, th- again, man, thank you so much for coming on here and, and sharing just sharing your story with us. You guys be good. Don't forget to keep kicking dirt. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We'll see y'all next time. Hope y'all enjoyed it.